I want to ask you a personal question. Do you read my newsletter, Leadership Forward 321? Because if you don't, I really think you'd like it if you like this podcast. Every Wednesday morning, I send a short newsletter designed to help you lead your organization more strategically and with less overwhelm in five minutes or less. The newsletters are organized around a timely leadership theme and give you something practical that you can apply right away in your organization. I include three of the best articles that I've come across on that theme, two concrete resources or tools that I believe in, and one quote to inspire and motivate you. So if you don't yet get the newsletter, I'm going to make it super easy for you to sign up. Just text the word IMPACT to 66866 and you'll be added to my list. Thanks. Hi, welcome to the Nonprofit Mastermind Spotlight Series. I'm your host, Brooke Ritchie Babbage. Every Tuesday on the regular Nonprofit Mastermind podcast, I do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching and leading a high-impact nonprofit. This Thursday Spotlight Series is a special series in which I showcase and celebrate the organizations in my Impact Accelerator program, lifting up their mission, their incredible work, and their personal stories of leadership. I started the Accelerator because I believe that one of my purposes in life is to work for and support efforts leading to positive social change. The organizations that apply for and join my Accelerator program are truly changing our world. And it is such an honor and joy for me to aim my experience, passions, and resources at helping them grow their revenue and impact. This series is my celebration of them. So this week, I'm thrilled to shine a light on an organization that is truly walking the walk when it comes to living its values. The New Harmony Project, led by Lori Walter Hudson and David Hudson, cares for and nurtures writers to give them the space, time, energy, and inspiration to create works that change our world by interrogating the complexities of hope. I love that phrase, the complexities of hope, and we dive into what that means in our conversation in this episode. There's so much there. What does it mean to care for and nurture writers? What is the role of hope in helping to forge a more just and equitable world? And what does it look like in practice to translate a bold and beautiful mission into organizational practices that can actually be used day to day to guide your institution? In this conversation, David and Lori share how their recent strategic planning process has actually helped them answer a lot of these critical questions and how it's helped them actually translate their mission and operationalize their values. It's a great look into how powerful a good strategic planning process can be and into how intertwined personal inspiration, strategy, organizational values, and day-to-day operations truly are when you're leading an organization. It's a great, rich conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, David. Hi, Lori. How are you guys? Great. How are you? Good. I am very excited to be talking to you guys today. I am such a fan of your organization and what you guys are building, and 
particularly excited to be working with you at a time of such transformation um, for your organization. And I'm really thrilled to have this opportunity to explore this more with you guys on the air. So welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having us. So I gave a little bit of, of this background in the intro, but I'd love to hear you guys share your North Star. What's the, the change that your organization is working to create in the world? So we just went through a big strategic planning process and sort of re-articulated our, our new mission and now with vision and values that kind of all are working together to like you said, like become the North star that we have, you know, centered the work before, but now are really intentionally looking at this every day, every way. Um, so the new harmony project is a national arts organization. And our mission is to nurture writers in the development of scripts and new works that interrogate the complexity of hope. And we are looking at artist centered programming and by, um, creating programs that are artist-centered, we want to care for writers so that they can change the world. And that's sort of what we, what we see as our big picture vision. Um, our new values uh, are sort of uh, listed out in five, five different points. Um, we prioritize people over process programs or products. We will be just, equitable, and anti-racist. We will build relationships that are authentic, mutually supportive, and in service to the needs of each person and project. We will build community by connecting people to themselves and one another, and we will hold ourselves accountable. Those are beautiful. I, I particularly love complexity of hope. Could you share a little bit more about what that means? There's, there's, something, there's something there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there were lots of rich discussions. Well, I um, would imagine in any <laughs> process, yes. Yeah, you put a bunch of writers in the room and talk about oh, that's hope. that's right, and, and you guys are artists. That's right, mm -hmm. talk about hope. Yeah, there were lots of words, lots of feelings, lots of thoughts. Um, and our older versions of the, the mission centered around um, phrases like positive aspects of life, um, uh, you know, um, centering on humanity, of the human spirit. Yeah. Resiliency of the human spirit. Um, it's also and, beautiful. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. It, so good. Um, but we were struggling with how to, um, in, in our modern world, let artists know that we are not just about, um, hope as, uh, like sort of through the lens of, um, <laughs> the the pool we're swimming in of white supremacy of um, the patriarchy yeah, of yeah yeah the the world uh, that isn't the world we want it to be yet so um, it you know all all of the myriad of ways that that um, hope is different for all of us and so the complexity of hope sort of came out of um, trying to find a way to put back in, in the artist's court, like whatever it is for you. And mm. I think interrogating, there was a lot of discussion around that word in particular. And we yeah. had some, like a lawyer on our board that was like, that word is very troublesome for me, but <laughs> for the writers, it was, you know, like grappling with, with yeah, yeah. engaging with in a, like, <laughs> you know, wrestling sort of way, like that you are, um, 
you're uncovering some truth that, that you are trying to find. And that doesn't always have to be pretty or positive or, um, you know, with, there is no light without darkness, like the, the creating the yin and yang of, um, you know, there's no hope without despair, right? Like there's, um, just a recognizing lot of- too, that everybody comes to it with this multiplicity of perspective. Everyone comes mm-hmm. to the idea of hope with their own lived experiences as artists, as human beings, and recognizing and valuing that so that there isn't a one size fits all for hope. Um, right. It really is deeply, deeply personal. And that was what was so rich and rewarding. I think about the conversations that we got to have with our small groups was this idea that hope is so personal that there's no way that we as an organization could possibly define what that means universally. Um, So it really is about recognizing the complexity of it, recognizing the multiplicity that comes with it and honoring each individual artist that comes into our care and saying, let, let us care for you, let us support you so that you can take hope, you can grapple with it, you can interrogate it, you can build beauty um, in however, uh, however that strikes you in that moment. And it may be different, right? Like, especially in this world that we live in now and, you know, COVID, uh, whatever version of COVID we're in at this moment, um, people have such differing viewpoints even than they had a year and a half two years ago um and and are approaching their work in a different way or approaching their lives in a different way the balance um and the despair the the pain that so many people have felt and being able to create space that honors that um and doesn't ignore it but celebrates it is i think what has been so so rewarding about kind of the reframe of the the mission for us that is wonderful. And it, it really does speak to, and, and now I actually understand complexity of hope, right? It allows people to integrate their perspectives, their lived experiences, what they're bringing to the table, the last two years that we've spent. Yeah. And it also really sheds light on, my, my next question for you is gonna be how you do this, what is the work? And Lori, in your introduction, you were talking about um, how your mission and your work is centers the artist, right? It's artist-centered. And in a number of the values that you articulated, it's very clear that people, individuals, are very much centered and lifted up and supported. Um, and your dis- your discussion just now about the complexities of hope and interrogating the pl- complexities of hope and creating a space for artists to do that in their own lives and collectively really makes so much sense. Um, so tell me more about what you guys do. How does this complexity of hope and supporting artists and interrogating their own experiences uh, play itself out? Yeah, it's really cool. We're at at this really incredible moment where um, we have our entire future ahead of us. (laughs) It is a cool moment. It's it's kind of sweet. We joke around the the office um, and around our house because we are married. And so in addition to running the organization, we spend a lot of time talking about it in our uh, downtime as well. We're in two um, organizations together. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, but we, we, we joke that we're a 30 year, you know, a 30 year old startup in a lot of ways. Um, for the past 30 years, we've existed primarily as this two week writers retreat that's taken place in Southern Indiana on the site of two failed utopian societies and the banks of the Wabash River. Um, that's this funky little artistic town in, um, in rural Indiana 
Um, and writers and artists, directors, dramaturgs, actors have gathered there for two weeks um, out of each year for the past 35 years now um, to workshop and develop pieces and scripts and really spend some quality creative time just unwinding and thinking and creating. Um, in 2017, uh, Lorraine and I were brought in as the first full-time staff of the organization, really with a mandate to um, take it year round and grow the programming, grow the impact, grow the reach, uh, not only in Southern Indiana, but in Central Indiana and Indianapolis where we're headquartered. Um, and so we started kind of trying out a lot of new things and doing some workshops and some readings and some commissions. Um, COVID allowed us to go digital in some ways. We, we commissioned 17 writers last year and, and created a, um, a seven series, a, a seven short films from these short scripts that writers created called the Sunrise series. Um, that was just beautiful and such a great representation of, of that, you know, the more stereotypical version of hope in some ways um, that we've since, uh, you know, started to integrate into other versions of, of the hope that we're creating. Um, but what's really cool is, is that as we've uh, approved this strategic plan, the big next step is an artist-centered, community-driven, responsive uh, program design process. Um, having a conversation with the writers that we serve, with the communities that we interact with locally, nationally, um, and finding out where are the needs. So much has shifted in the development uh, landscape over the last two years. Organizations who were staples of our community have folded um, or dramatically reduced their, um, their offerings. And we feel like there's a huge, huge um, demand for uh, engagement and for direct engagement with the artists and with the communities. And so we're really excited to start having those conversations um, to use what we're learning in the Impact Accelerator to, uh, to, to bridge that gap and, and build those bridges. Um, and really connect the dots between that artist-centered programming, the community-based work that we want to be doing, um, and the kind of strategies to, to grow our impact and, and increase our, our reach. Um, so we're really, I think, stoked about the next steps and what is to come. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the world is our oyster in a lot of ways. We have um, the ability to, to be very responsive and very nimble and to listen to what people want and um, and then make it happen. I mean, we've talked off off camera <laughs> um, <laughs> about what an exciting moment, sort of the end of a strategic planning process, especially one that has been as rich and it just well executed, it sounds like, as yours. Yeah. Um, how that's, you know, you said it perfectly, the, the world is your oyster. And what I love about what I'm hearing is that you aren't going you're not turning inwards, right? I think sometimes organizations have this strategic plan and they've been expansive and collaborative and engaging and developing it. And then they're like, great, got the plan. Now we're gonna go in and- Now we're gonna do it. <laughs> now we're gonna do it. And what I hear you leaning into is this process of engaging your artists and engaging your stakeholders and engaging your communities as partners in co-creating yeah. what it means to become this incredible space. Um, that, yeah. That's well, and, 
what's so great and we you know the kind of tagline that we're using for our strategic plan is people are the priority of this plan we're changing the who in order to change the what and the how mm -hmm. and that i think is the key for us as we develop um new programs as we develop new opportunities new engagement new ways of engaging with audiences and communities this idea that we want different people at the table that have been there historically. We're a predominantly white, historically white organization. Um, that is not our future. And we want to embrace that. We want to expand that table out, bring new people to it, new perspectives to it, and uh, uh, allow voices that have been systemically underrepresented or excluded to have a real active role in creating the future of the New Harmony Project. And I know one of the things you guys have talked about is really crystallizing what, for example, that priority looks like in terms of your hiring, in terms of who's on your board, in terms of, you know, who you partner with. And I think there's there's a real lesson to be learned for other organizations that have gone through a strategic planning process. How do you take what can feel like high lofty goals and actually think, okay, what does this look like for us? What does this mean in terms of the percentage of our staff that come from underrepresented communities, et cetera? Um, yeah. yeah. So I want to get a little more personal for, for just a moment. Um, thank you for sharing so much about the organization. It's, yeah. it's really interesting to hear that you guys came in so far into the organization's history and since joining as co-leaders um there's been a real both expansion it sounds like of the mission and focus and a reshaping of the direction i'd love to hear why you guys are doing this work right why did you sign up to do what sounds like quite a bit of sort of restructuring and deep hard leadership work and i happen to know because you are in the accelerator that you have tiny children you do not have grown children so you are also this is not a time in your life where you're like well the kids are you know they're in high school they're taking care of themselves so tell me a little one bit of them is sick life. in the other room of course yeah. always always, <laughs> always. With, the, with the young kids always oh, pretty sick. yeah so so tell me a little bit about your personal stories How, why are you guys doing this it's Kind of a good segue. I so my first professional-ish, I guess, theater experience in college was um, getting asked to be the nanny at the New Harmony Project at the 2002 conference. Wow! <laughs> this shaped my world, right? Like I was um, 19 years old. I grew up and was from Evansville, Indiana, where I ended up going to college and. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I had no idea a world like this existed. Um, I didn't know that you could be part of the entertainment world and not be famous and still make a living. I didn't know people had young kids and were doing this work and like, it was no big deal. I mean, on the back end now, I know it's a very big deal, but we are still providing like yeah. you know, cool. childcare and like our very parent friendly, parent artist uh, friendly. And that's a huge, huge motivator for me personally, um, David as well, I know. Um, but yeah, like this was my first time doing anything and what it was, was nothing but magic. <laughs> like I showed up and artists were like coming in from all both coasts and everywhere in between 
working in a really um, beautiful way, being really lovely together. And the way the meals happened, you're just sitting with whoever you sit with. So like I could be, you know, with a table full of other interns for one meal. And then I'm sitting next to like a Pulitzer prize winner or somebody that just had a show on Broadway or somebody that's on a TV show that I'd seen growing up, like all in the same, you know, two week experience. Right. And then it, it like, you're in the middle of nowhere. This was back when like people had cell phones, but we're all like checking our AOL accounts off one <laughs> computer in the basement of the thing. You know, it was just like, theater camp in the best way. And there was no commercial aspect to any of it. It was so, um, for lack of a better word, like just felt really pure. Like people were there to do the work. They were there to be engaged and in community. And that, that set such a high bar as I went out and like even later that summer was at other theater conferences, um, went on to work at off-Broadway and Broadway theaters, uh, regional theaters across the country. That, like that was, is still very rare to experience. And knowing, I think now, like David said earlier, how, um, how hard it is to be an artist, mm-hmm. um, how much people need this. And, and I really do see it as, um, like we very purposely put nurture in the new mission because people need a place to recharge, to reconnect, not only to themselves, but other artists in community. And I think, um, you know, for me, it's like, if you don't, if, if we can't help people get re-inspired to that spark inside themselves that said, this is what I want to do. And this is how I can contribute to the world. Like, that is the greatest gift we could give anyone. And if they can take that little, like tiny, tiny spark and go out and like find the ways to continue like fueling and fanning their fire. Oh my God. You know, like that's, that's where we all get back to like a magical ecosystem of creativity and not scarcity, but like abundance and joy and all of the things that make the world better. Um, And so this has always been that for me, and I believe in it so deeply, <laughs> even on the hardest days. Um, I really do. Uh, yeah, I, I just love it. The folks listening can't see my face, but I'm beaming right now. I just, I, I hear a couple of things that I just want to sort of lift up, and then I cannot wait to hear. I don't know how you're going to beat that, David, because that's just the best, that's the best why story ever. Um, but you know, one thing that I hear is um, where my mind goes is organizational culture, right? That, I mean, what organization doesn't want people to interact? And you weren't even a directed stakeholder, like you weren't a donor, you weren't someone they were trying to make feel magical. But what organization doesn't want folks to come into their orbit and describe it as magical, right? And I feel like there's there's real intention there. And so I wanted to lift that up because I, to me, that's a North star for like the kind of organization you want to build and be part of. Um, and then I also just think it's really beautiful. Like your why is so um, so aligned with the values I heard you articulate, right? That, um, mm-hmm. and I think that alignment will fuel your ability to do the hard work of, of leadership, right? And stewarding the organization, that alignment is, is really beautiful. And um, I don't know that people often get that. So I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, David, your turn. <laughs> I am in it for the money. Um, <laughs> Aren't we all? That's right. Well, it takes all kinds. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, if only. Um, Every nonprofit no, I, ever. Right. Yeah. I, I, well, what I, what I just want to echo there too, is that what's so great about this organization is that throughout its entire history, that I think has been a driving value in North Star, even if it wasn't explicitly stated that the idea that people come into our space and are taken care of and are nurtured and are, um, sent back out into the world with a, a renewed spirit uh, of creativity that has always existed. And, and so we, we were working with really, really great bones um, as we kind of, you know, repositioned some of the walls inside the house. Um, but that was already, already there, which is, you know, I think probably tied to, for me personally, why I, I do this as well is I also started as an intern, you know, we have a really great relationship and I've had a great relationship with the University of Evansville um, throughout the history, which is where both of us went, went to college. And so getting that opportunity to come at a young age, uh, you know, at 21 and be in that room the way that, that Lori was, um, that it was a home, an artistic home for me that I got to come back to year after year and either as an actor or as the guy setting up the copiers or like working on the website, what, however I could come back, I always wanted to come back. And um, when we were, when the board made the decision to, to, you know, put out a search for, for the first full-time executive director, I felt like, and we talked a lot about how it was a point in our life where it made sense to maybe step away from New York. We'd been there for nine years, Lori had been there for almost 12 years. Um, we felt like it was time to, you know, go outside of the city, escape from some that. of the chaos. <laughs> yes. We had a two-year-old at the time and we knew yeah. we wanted to have, you know, uh, another child. And um, the idea of, of moving to Indiana was really appealing. And so I think all of those things kind of combined together to be the perfect storm to say, this is a time to come and do this. And I also feel like, and have felt like this since the moment that I stepped into um, the New Harmony Project orbit, the potential for this organization is astronomical. I really, really feel like the, the idea of the mission, the, you know, that, that guiding principle that has been there from the beginning, that we have the ability to, to change culture through stories and make the world a better place through the po power of storytelling is this gigantic untapped opportunity for the organization. And I felt like I could offer something to, to set it up for, for its future life in the place that I was at in my, my career and my life. And um, I feel now looking back, sometimes I get a little emotional about it, that the work that we've done over the last couple of years, is that realized? It's coming together in all of the ways that when I took the job, I hoped that it would. Um, and so I think now that's why I continue to do what I do, even though there are moments where it's very difficult and challenging. Um, but you can see like, oh yeah, this is actually lining up and it's working. And, and what we said we were gonna do is starting to happen and imagine what the future could hold. So, so tell us what's next, right? So this, you're coming out of this amazing strategic planning process. You have 
real clarity around your mission, your vision, your values. You're going into this process of sort of community guided and supported program design. And you have both of you, it sounds like a very heartfelt knowledge that I think you said, David, the, the potential for the organization is phenomenal. And I, I hear that um, and I know your work very well. So I, I see that also. What is the next year look like? What's the impact on the artists that you're hoping to have, you know, over the next say, year to 18 months? Right now we're prepping for um, the 2022 conference, which um, has been the crown jewel of our programming. And it will probably, I would, my hunch is that it, it won't go anywhere for a long time because participants do respond so well to it. Um, because of COVID, we've been in a modified version that we, one that was like our trunk, uh, deferred 2020 conference um, that we did in August of 2021. We're sort of replicating a, a different version of that for the spring and we're offering to artists right now which is so exciting um we'll be making announcements on that soon but uh yeah we're bringing artists with the option to bring a collaborator for just uh, a, a residency where they'll be with us um for just uh around 10 11 days um and it really is sort of all the things we talked about um you know, a chance to relax, recharge, um, not setting too many work expectations, but providing resources um, on site for, for if and when people are ready and inspired to create new work, share work that they have to get feedback on, um, and, uh, you know, eat a lot, chat a lot, go on walks, uh, hang by the pool, go on bike rides, recharge from the swans. Yeah. yeah all the things. Um, David talked and, about know. nurturing, bringing people into your space, nurturing, and then sending them back out into the world with energy and spirit. And I just, I wrote that down. I mm. love that. Yeah. It's so we used to joke when we would come back from New Harmony and, you know, go back to New York and we were like, how many days before I yell at somebody <laughs> on the subway? You know, like how long can New I York, my I mean, New Harmony? Yeah. <laughs> Right. And, and it's so, it's so real. It's, you know, like there's just, you get back into your rhythms of everything, but like, how, how can we, um, you know, really like drop your shoulders, like have a longer conversation, like be in line longer than you want at the local coffee shop, you know, like nothing is, is rushing you to do anything. And, and, you know, I, I imagine so many people are ready to like, you know, yes, just, find the new ways of working that are sustainable, that are um, more humane um, and, and integrating that back into the daily practice, right? Um, and so, yeah, we're, we have the conference coming up. There's some projects that we're looking at for the fall, um, some exciting partnerships. And, you know, David and I have always had like, ideas, but what is so really exciting about this, this shift in everything um, for us is that it, it won't ever now just be our ideas and trying things with people. It, it really will be the, the larger conversation and letting others tell us where to go. And yeah. that is thrilling. I mean, terrifying, but like mostly thrilling. <laughs> so that's the perfect we, segue. Oh yeah. Well, I was just going to say, we also, we hired, uh, we, we've doubled our staff size. Mm -hmm. We hired two, two new full-time staff. <laughs> 
which is uh, amazing. And one of those staff members, um, Quentin Beverly, is has uh, his title is the Sustainable Programs Manager, and a huge portion of his work over the next year, year and a half, is going to be building that bridge between our national work, the work that we do on kind of the national scale, with the local community in Indianapolis, and how we can build more on-site programming, create more on-site offerings here in Indianapolis with the local community so that we have that, we start to really deepen that connection with the cultural fabric of, of central Indiana, which is yeah. very robust and um, surprisingly deep. And um, we're very excited to connect with all of the you know other arts organizations mm-hmm. uh, here, the other community organizations here in building that out and creating lots of opportunities for engagements and interactions over the next year, 18 months for artists and for audiences. So how can people get involved and connect to your work, learn more, support you, be part of this magical, incredible space? <laughs> yeah. Well, the first, you can visit our website, newharmonyproject.org, sign up for mailing lists, obviously follow on all of the social outlets. Um, the big thing that we're, we're opening this up beyond just our community of artists and our community of writers to really anybody who's interested in getting involved in the program design process. We're okay. launching with a series of uh, town halls here in the next couple of weeks that we'll be announcing. Um, and then over the course of the next year, we're going to create some very targeted opportunities for specific affinity groups to gather um, and have conversations around some of the mission ideas, value ideas that, we've, that we have created and curated. Um, but there will be times throughout the year where we're going to have these community conversations to you know, get deep on some of the, the impact opportunities and some of the programming um, choices that we, that we end up making. Um, so there's a, a really exciting opportunity to get involved with that. Um, and we're fleshing out the organizational side of things as well. We've grown our board. We just onboarded six new board members, which is very exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, just an incredible an incredible group of people who all have been involved in the strategic planning process. So they're not coming in cold, but they're coming in very excited about the work and on, on board with it. Um, but we have ambitious goals to grow our board and to... Uh, grow our our donor uh, base um, with people who are uh, interested in in this idea of the complexity of hope and and who believe in the power of storytelling as a a tool for good uh, in the world. So, well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your beautiful mission and work. I love and think that there are so many incredible opportunities for people to get involved. I love that you've opened the program design piece of things up for folks, um, which, you know, as we've talked about, is a wonderful way in to learn more, to be involved. Um, I think that's also just a fantastic um, inroads to learn more about your board and ways for people to support. So if you'll say your website one more time so folks can go and sort of find all this great info and I'll make sure to include it in the show notes. Yeah, newharmonyproject.org. I also should say, I slipped my mind, with all of the performances coming back, we're now hosting events in different cities and on different coasts. We just had a great mm-hmm. event up at Steppenwolf Theater with Rajiv Joseph and King James that premiered. We're going to New York. Lori's going to New York this week for a, a production of Peter Gill Sheridan's The Space Between Us that the Keen Company is producing. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll be heading to LA for King James in the summer and alumni that have 
things in production, we do our best to support them. Um, and we try to organize events around that as well. So that's a great opportunity if you're in one of those coasts or in one of those cities to meet up with us. Um, and you can, again, find out more about that on the website. They're all listed under the events section, uh, newharmonyproject.org. Great, and I will um, break that out in the show notes so people can go right there and that's find great. it. Fantastic, thank you both so much. It's been great talking thank to you. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you. Have a great day. You do. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you think what we talk about here, the trainings and the guests and the conversations could benefit another leader in your life, I'd love if you would leave a review and share with your friends. If you want to take the next step and begin to put into practice what we talk about on this podcast, I've created a toolkit where I collect and share downloads from many of our conversations. It's got templates, worksheets, and references to help you execute on what we talk about here on The Mastermind. There's lots of great stuff, and I add to it almost every week. You can download it at richiebabbage.com backslash architecture of impact toolkit. I also want to share another free resource for leaders of growing nonprofits. It's a free training. It's called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. The four questions you need to ask to know if your nonprofit is really ready to scale. Growing an organization doesn't happen by accident, as we all know. You have to take the right strategic steps at the right time to avoid overwhelm and burnout and that horrible feeling that so many of us have had as you watch the work of your organization outstrip capacity and sometimes even funding. It's almost impossible to reverse engineer good growth. And by that, I mean growth that can be sustained over time just by looking at what you think you see in other organizations. So in this free training, I help cut through all the noise and I identify the four simple questions that if you really engage with them and think about them, will tell you when you're ready to grow without frenzy, without overwhelm, and with the confidence that you're making the right moves for your organization. You can access the training at richiebabbage.com backslash ready to scale. Finally, if you'd like more leadership resources and strategies in your life, sign up for my weekly newsletter, Leadership Forward 321. Each week, I curate and share three articles, two resources, and a quote on a theme. You can get that at richiebabbage.com backslash leadershipforward321. That's all for now. Have a great week, and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind.